So tonight we come to the end of Prepared to Serve, and hopefully you've caught the double meaning that there is in that title and in that word prepared, because on the one hand, it is prepared as in being equipped by God, that by His Holy Spirit, He gives us the gifts that we need to live and work for His glory, but also prepared in the sense of being willing. Are you prepared to use your God-given gifts in the service of the Lord? Well, tonight, as we finish this series, we want to recognize that serving the Lord can be really tough, and that sometimes serving the Lord is unspectacular, that it's not about the big highs, it's not about those big dramatic moments, but it requires faithfulness, everyday discipleship, getting on with the task day in, day out, and week in, week out as a church. And so, we need to be faithful, and we also need to be careful that in the course of serving the Lord, we don't lose our love for Him, and that we never lose that sense of wonder at what He's done for us in Christ. And, and people, that can easily happen in the course of doing the work of the kingdom. So, tonight, as we finish off, how do we remain faithful in serving the Lord? How do we protect and preserve our walk with Him? Well, for a few moments this evening, as we finish off this series, I want us to consider what Paul teaches Timothy here in this passage that we read in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So, please have your Bibles open at that passage this evening. And as we come to it, a couple of bits of background information that I think will be helpful to us and will enable us to get the maximum amount out of this passage of Scripture. First of all, it's worth highlighting the nature of the relationship that exists here between Paul and Timothy. So, this book is called 1 Timothy, but it's not a letter that is written by Timothy. It is a letter that is written by the Apostle Paul and sent to Timothy, who's a fellow worker in the gospel, a fellow minister of the gospel, and a younger one. But I want you to see how Paul regards Timothy. If you go back to chapter 1 of 1 Timothy and verse 2, he describes Timothy as my true son in the faith. And then at the beginning of the second letter, 2 Timothy 1 verse 4, he says to Timothy, Timothy, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. You get a sense, don't you, of the, the nature of the relationship between these two men who are working together in gospel work. And straight away, that's a challenge to us engaged in gospel work here in Connor, isn't it? It's a challenge as to how we regard those that we're called to work alongside. Do we see them as family? Do we treat them with this kind of warmth and love? And the other thing to say about Timothy is that Timothy is gifted by God. Specifically, he's received the gift of preaching and teaching through the laying on of hands. Paul talks about that 
here in this passage and elsewhere in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Paul there tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Do you hear that phrase, fan the flame? And it implies that Timothy is to work at developing his gift. And that's a great reminder to us once again that, yes, God equips us, but then we need to work hard in the service of the Lord. We need to take the opportunities to develop that gift so that we can be more effective in using it for God's glory. So, with all of that in mind, let's turn to 1 Timothy 4 for a few moments. And Paul begins this chapter with a big warning to Timothy, and indeed a warning to us all. And in issuing this warning, Paul is reminding us that this is serious stuff, that the Christian life is serious, that in the Christian life, we are actually engaged in a war. Look at verse 1, where Paul says to Timothy that some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, that's pretty dramatic stuff, isn't it? And for us as Christians, one of the saddest things that we can ever encounter in the Christian life is when we see people who drift away from the truth of the gospel, who abandon their reliance upon Jesus. Sometimes that happens to whole churches, or it happens to notable leaders within the church, or it happens to ordinary church members. And in my life, as a disciple of Christ, I have known many people. I think of many people who started out in the race, who were fully reliant upon Christ, but over time, for them, the gospel changed, and they drifted away from a, a trust in Jesus alone. And what Paul is telling us here is pretty shocking, and we need to understand it and hear it tonight, that those who move away from the gospel, ultimately moving away from Jesus, that it's not a case that they are free-thinking people who have just kind of developed their thinking as life goes on. It's not a case that they are reimagining things or that they've gone a little bit off course. No, Paul is saying, actually, they are deceived by demonic forces. And that's serious. And what this means for us is that in all of this, the stakes are incredibly high. It means that you need to, to listen to and support and pray for preachers and teachers. You need to be alert to the reality of spiritual warfare. And in your life, you need to have an intolerance. And that's not a word that is very acceptable these days. But for you, as a brother, as a sister in Christ, you need to have an intolerance of false teaching. There's a phrase that is very much in at the moment, the phrase, fit for purpose. And maybe in your work, you, you just almost, you know, crack up when you hear that. And it's, it's always, is our department or is our company 
or is this particular way of doing things fit for purpose? And we talk about that in the church as well. Are we fit for purpose? Well, if you scan down through the first five verses there, and if you take time to read those for yourselves again later on, you'll see the big, big challenge that Timothy faces as a pastor. And it means that he is a pastor who needs to be fit for purpose. So, how can Timothy be a good pastor? How can he be a minister who is fit for purpose? And how can he and all of us who love Jesus tonight be faithful servants? Well, Paul gives the younger Timothy some good advice here in this passage in verses 6 to 16. Let's quickly look through this together. The first bit of advice that Paul gives to Timothy in his Christian life is, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Timothy will be doing a really good job if he sticks to the core message and he concentrates on the gospel. And there comes a warning in verse 7. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. And given what we know of Timothy already, given his spiritual background, given the maturity that he has in Christ and the position that he has been given in the church, it's really unlikely that what Paul means here is that Timothy is going to get caught up in these teachings and believe them himself. But much more he's saying, no, Timothy, as a pastor, don't get sidetracked. Don't go down one of those cul-de-sacs. Don't let people drag you away from the gospel and your main job with all of this other stuff, all of these stupid things, godless myths and old wives' tales. And tonight we need to realize as believers in Christ that sometimes we can get really caught up in things that are actually not of fundamental importance. It's amazing how that happens, how we get drawn into discussions and debates and arguments about things of secondary or even tertiary importance, not primary gospel things. It's incredible how sometimes we can embrace ideas and ways of thinking that have little or nothing to do with the gospel. And right now, given all of the challenges that we have faced as a church over the past couple of years, given the rebuilding that we're engaged in in terms of our life and our worship and our witness to the community around us, this is really a time, people, to concentrate on and put our energies into what is really important. And so, there needs to be a really clear gospel focus in what we are about and what we are seeking to do in our community. So, if all of these things mentioned in verse 7 are distractions and are not the main thing, what is it then that is important? Well, if you look at the rest of verse 7, you see that for Paul, the important thing is godliness, is being like our Father, being in the image of our Father. And of course, 
very closely linked to godliness is obviously Christ-likeness, because Jesus is God. He is God incarnate. So, how do we pursue it? Well, Paul says there in verse 7, train yourself to be godly. And he's using the analogy of the gym. Maybe some of you have gym membership, or maybe you've got membership but don't actually often go to the gym. But he's talking about the idea of physical training. And he says, look, when it comes to godliness, this is something else, because this has eternal significance. Yes, keeping yourself physically fit, that's a good thing to do. It has limited value, but this, this has value for both now and for all of eternity. And that idea of training reminds us of the persistence that there needs to be in pursuing godliness, how we need to regularly make use of the means of grace, all of the good things that God has given us in order to grow in godliness and become more like Jesus, using God's Word each day, availing of the, the privilege of prayer each day, availing of the privilege of the church and fellowship with one another. So, well done on being here tonight. How's your pursuit of godliness in your own life? So many distractions, so many changes in lifestyle over the past couple of years, and I wonder, could it be that along the way, your pursuit of godliness has slipped over this period of time? But then, the, the, the second thing that, that Paul teaches Timothy when it comes to being a faithful servant he says to him as a teacher of the Word, he says, be firm. Look at verse 11, command and teach these things. So, he's not saying, Timothy, just be really nice to people and be really encouraging. No, he's saying, command and teach these things. And that word command, well, it implies authority, doesn't it? And if we turn this around to ourselves as the hearers of God's Word, as the, the listeners of preaching, do we accept rebuke and correction? Or do we come along to church Sunday by Sunday, and our expectation is that other people will be preached to? It's amazing how many Christians would be totally content if a message that is preached in a church service was exclusively directed to those who were not believers. And of course, unbelievers need to be called to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. I need to do that tonight. But do you come to church with the expectation that the challenge will be for somebody else? Are you really committed to the authority of Scripture? That's a phrase that we use in our Reformed tradition, but are we really committed to it? Are we prepared to obey Scripture even when it hurts, even when it alters the course of our life and changes something about us? But then the next thing that Paul says to Timothy as he encourages him to be a faithful 
minister and servant of God. He says, be a good example. And that's so important because Timothy's teaching is really important, but it must be backed up by his lifestyle. And that's why pursuing godliness is so important. That's why Paul prioritizes that in Timothy's life and in our lives as believers of Christ. Because Timothy had a particular difficulty in ministry, a big challenge that he faced, and it was his age. It was the fact that many of the people that Timothy was called to pastor and teach were actually older than him. And I can identify with that, not right now, you'd be laughing if I said that, but I remember when I started out as an assistant, when I first went to Rathryland, and having this overwhelming sense that I was sitting with a group of elders required to give some leadership, and I was by about 20 years the youngest there. And now I'm finding that all of the elders that are coming in are younger than me, so it all changes. But here's Timothy's challenge. He is preaching to and pastoring older people so that Paul is quick to say to him in verse 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And it seems to me that when we quote that verse as often as the case, and when we quote that verse as an encouragement to young people, and in just one moment I want to encourage young people here tonight with it, that we emphasize the first part of the verse and we tend to forget about the second bit. It's just, don't let anybody look down on you, full stop. No, that's not the full story. It's not actually what Paul is saying to Timothy here. He's instructing him. He's saying, here's the way in which you can stop people from looking down on you. You can set an example to them, an example to look up to in the way in which you speak, in the way in which you act, in how you treat other people in your lifestyle, Timothy. You can set an example to them, and they'll not be looking down on you anymore. They'll be looking up and saying, we, we should be more like Him because He's like Christ. And what an encouragement and a challenge to younger Christians here tonight, to those who are young in the faith. Maybe you've come to Christ in, in recent years or recent months, and what a, what a great challenge and a brilliant encouragement to younger Christians in age tonight, as you maybe sometimes struggle to find your way in this church, to wonder what your place is in the fellowship here in Connor, to think to yourself, how could I possibly make any kind of difference here? You can do it in the most simple but profound way, by the way in which you speak, by the way in which you act, by the way in which you treat other people, by the way in which you live out your life, that you can actually be used by God. This is great. You can be used by God as an example to others. You could be an example to your mom and dad, to your granny and granda, to 
people in this church who are considerably older than you. And it's a great motivation to guard our life. But one final thing really quickly, and that is Paul tells Timothy to be diligent. And he covers this in a few different verses. Verse 13, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. And he's saying to Timothy, and God's Word is saying to us tonight, keep the main thing the main thing. Be, be aware of the absolute centrality of God's Word, and we can never lose that. We must never lose that here in Connor. God's Word needs to shape everything about us, and the teaching of it needs to lie right at the heart of who we are and what we're about as a church. But he goes on, verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. And if we just pause and think about that one word, progress, tonight, that tells us a lot about the nature of the Christian life, that we're never standing still as followers of Jesus, that it's not about just praying a prayer and saying, God, save me. Oh, that's great. I'm saved, and that's it. No, it's a life of discipleship. It's a life of sanctification as the Holy Spirit works within us. It's a life where we are always progressing and becoming more like Jesus. So that the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, who would have been regarded as a, a great spiritual person within the early church, but he's saying to him, show that you're continuing to progress that you're continuing to change, that you're continuing to grow and become more like the Lord Jesus. And then, be diligent in what you believe and how you live. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Guard them. And it's so important that there's never a disconnect between what we believe and how we live, and that can happen it can happen in our lives, but there should be this close tie-in between the things that we believe and then how we live our life, that they're entirely consistent. So, tonight, some instructions from one Christian leader to another Christian leader in the church of the first believers, but not only that, a model for us, a template for all believers here in Christ to live by tonight. And so, we finish this sermon, and we finish this course with the realization that we really need God's grace. When we think about what it is that Paul has taught Timothy and us this evening, we need God's grace. We need God's help. We need the Spirit of the living God to be at work within us day by day. And may it be so in the coming days. We're going to pray together.